In the early morning hours of April 1st, 2006, 27-year-old med student Brian Schaefer went into the Ugly Tuna Saluna in Columbus, Ohio. Less than an hour later, his friends waited for him outside as the bar was closing, but Brian never came out. Fifteen years later, there is still no evidence that he has ever left the bar. Hello and welcome to the Fact and Suspicion Podcast. Tonight we will be discussing the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Now, this received a lot of media attention uh, when Brian first disappeared. It was big news all around the country, but especially uh, in the Midwest. And I recall even uh, Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl Jam, uh, asking for information about Brian's disappearance at one of its concerts. Uh, That was because Brian was a huge Pearl Jam fan. Yeah, I've seen that clip on YouTube. And that was the first time I ever actually recall a celebrity getting involved in a missing persons case. I think, didn't someone get involved in Mara Murray at one point as well? Uh, If they did, I can't think of who it might have been. I seem to remember something about that, but Eddie Vedder is the first one I remember doing anything like this. But at any rate, we should go ahead and talk about the case. And uh, I want to talk about, you know, what was going on with Brian that led up to this at first. So Brian was 27 years old, and he was in his second year of studies at the Ohio State School of Medicine. So he was already in, in grad school then, or he'd, he'd already applied to med school, rather. Yeah, well, yeah, he was, he was already in med school. He was, you know, I'm not positive, but I think he was getting close to being able to finish med school and start a residency, maybe in a few, a couple of years, two or three. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how long med school takes. So what is it, usually three or four and then I know your your residency, uh, is that still part of med school? Uh, technically, I think you're out of med school with a residency, but you have to go through the residency to, to be licensed. Right. Uh, but at any rate, you know, he was, he was getting much closer to being able to start his career. Um, now, Brian also loved music, and he had said several times that his dream was actually to, to start a band one day. You know, even though he was working on becoming a doctor, that was just to hold him over until he could get his band started. Um, now, a lot of people point out to that that he wanted to run away from his life, but I think that was Brian just and that sounds like you know, a talking joke. about how much he, yeah, joking, talking about how much he loved music. I mean, no one does medicine as a side gig. <laughs> yeah, no one that I know of. Brian also had a very serious girlfriend named Alexis Wagner. Apparently, their relationship had progressed pretty far, and most of their friends and family expected that Brian was going to propose pretty soon. Was there any particular reason they thought that? I mean, had he mentioned it or something? I don't know that Brian had told anyone that specifically, but I do know that he and Alexis were about to go on a vacation to Miami, and that's where everyone suspected he was going to propose. Okay, so it was just the circumstances of how long they'd been dating and how close they were then? I think so, yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Uh, Something important to know about Brian as well is that his mother had just passed away a few weeks before this. Um, She'd had a lengthy battle with cancer, and apparently Brian took it very hard when she died. The two were very close. Now, March 31st was the last day of classes for Brian before spring break started. And on that particular evening, uh, Brian went out for dinner with his dad, Randy, and the two were just sort of celebrating Brian's exams being over and Brian being able to start spring break. Now, Randy did mention that Brian seemed really exhausted that night. Apparently, Brian had been staying up a lot studying for exams that week. That seems reasonable. And, 
Yeah, and Randy had even asked Brian to uh, stay home that night and rest and not go out to the bar. But, you know, Brian wanted to go out bar hopping and celebrate. At 9 p.m. that night, Brian met up with his friend William Clint Florence at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Uh, this is a bar that's pretty close to campus. And just for, for later clarification of some security camera stuff, I should explain. Uh, the Ugly Tuna is a bar that's inside of another building. I wouldn't want to describe it as a, a mall because it's a pretty small building. And I think at the time, the Ugly Tuna was the only building that was inside it, or the only business that was inside of it. But basically, you have to go inside the building and ride an escalator up to the second floor where the Ugly Tuna is. And I know on that second floor that the Ugly Tuna was the only thing that was there. And there was another door, you know, sort of next to the Ugly Tuna that led off into a construction area. So the bar was on the second floor. Was there anything on the first floor? I don't think so. Uh, I've looked, and at the time, the building was still under construction, and I think the Ugly Tuna was the only thing that had moved in so far. Oh, okay. A little strange, but... It is strange, and I, I can't promise that, but from everything I've read, they just talk about how the whole building was under construction, and it was a fairly new project. Around 10 p.m., Brian called Alexis, and they just had a short conversation, you know, said, I love you, and Brian said he was going to, you know, go to some bars that night. And after that, Brian and Clint left the Ugly Tuna, and they started bar hopping, um, and they were just visiting several bars, trying to work their way down toward the Arena District. So, just a quick question. Uh, has Alexis mentioned if Brian sounded any different uh, when when she spoke with him that night? If maybe she thought anything was wrong? Uh, no, she didn't indicate anything like that. Uh, she thought everything was very normal with Brian at the time. Okay. As I mentioned, Brian and Clint were bar hopping, and I saw a list of bars they went to, and it listed seven different bars. I don't know if that's all of them, but according to Clint, uh, the two of them each had a shot of liquor at every bar. So I imagine the two were getting very drunk by the end of the night. Well, I mean, if they started at 10, how many bars did they stop at? Do you know? I saw a list of seven bars. So that'd be seven shots each. That's a lot of shots in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah, they, they would have been pretty close to hammered by that point. Right. And about um, sometime after midnight, the two of them meet up with one of their friends named Meredith Reed. And she drives them back to the Ugly Tuna where all three of them are going to have one last round together. We do have security footage of the three of them riding up the escalator toward the Ugly Tuna at about 1.15 a.m. Clint and Brian are seen on security footage just outside of the bar again at 1.57 a.m. The two of them are talking to a couple of girls named Amber Ruick and Brighton Zatko. That would have had to have been pretty close to closing time, right? Right. The bar closed at 2. Okay. Now, at 157, we see them on camera. And according to Brighton, she goes back into the bar to use the restroom before the closing. And when she comes back out, uh, Brian is gone. Doesn't that suggest that Clint would know which direction he went at least? I mean, if he was out there too? Yes. Clint says that Brian also went back into the bar. Now, he didn't say he went in with, with Brighton. I think maybe he stepped back in himself a moment later. Okay. According to uh, Clint and Meredith, at two when the bar closed, 
They were outside waiting for Brian to come out with, with everyone that's leaving the bar, and he never came out. Uh, the two expected that Brian may have walked back to his apartment, which was about six blocks away. So it was so, within walking distance then. Yeah, it was. And, and they waited around for him for a bit, uh, but then they decided to go ahead and leave. And uh, at 2.10 a.m., Clint actually texted Brian to ask where he was. And that is the uh, last signal that went to Brian's phone that night. So after this point, no one reports seeing Brian at all? Uh, no, no one. there are no reports of Brian at all at this point. Um, the next day, Alexis tries to call Brian, and she can't get a hold of him. So she calls Brian's dad, Randy, and Randy tries to get hold of him as well, and neither of them can. So the following day, which is Sunday, they actually report him missing to the police, and the police start doing an investigation. Now, what day was he supposed to leave for this trip? That was Monday, and he never showed up for his flight to Miami on Monday either, Well, obviously. Did the but, police uh, want to wait around to see if he showed up first before they, they got serious about an investigation? I, I know they started looking into it on Sunday, but I don't know how serious they got. I know things sort of escalated on Monday because a lot of people were still expecting him to maybe show up for that flight. Right. Uh, but, you know, as the police are investigating this, they start to look at security footage um, of the Ugly Tuna and the other areas around there on the street. Now, everyone they see go into the Ugly Tuna, they can account for them coming back out at the end of the night, except for Brian. There is no footage of Brian ever leaving the Ugly Tuna. So is there any exit from the Ugly Tuna that wouldn't be monitored by a security camera? Yes, it is possible that Brian could have sort of slipped underneath the security footage uh, and gone from the, the entrance to the Ugly Tuna over into that construction zone. There was a door there he could have gone through. Well, how likely is that without knowing the placement of the cameras, though? I would say that if he did that, there's no way he meant to do it, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, I got you. Um, I, I don't think, especially being drunk, I don't think you could be thinking, oh, I've got to miss this security camera, right? Right, and just looking at a security camera, it's really hard to tell exactly where it's pointing, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, in all the articles I've read, there's also a lot of talk about a freight elevator that Brian could have slipped out through. It's a, a freight elevator that I know the band used as well, but I do not know for sure where that freight elevator is located. I've, I've looked through probably 30 articles trying to find more information about the freight elevator. I don't know if that was inside the construction area or not, but as far as I can tell, I think it was in the construction area. But even if he did go down a freight elevator or go out through that construction area, some of the other cameras along the streets uh, around that building would have caught him leaving and none of them did. So it would have been very difficult to make it out of there and then up the street without being seen by a camera. Uh, yes, what I understand, pretty much impossible. So we have Brian missing, and there's no security footage of him leaving. And police and everyone are just baffled by this. They never find any trace of Brian anywhere. They don't find any of his clothing. They don't find any DNA. Um, a lot of people you know, expected maybe there was a fight or something he got into or something happened. But there's no blood anywhere. There's nothing like that. They don't find his phone, anything. So as best they can tell, he walked into the Ugly Tuna Saluna and just vanished. Into thin air, apparently. 
Now, Alexis called Brian's phone every day for months after this. And, you know, it always just went straight to voicemail. Right. But one day in September, his phone actually rang three times. Really? Does, does that seem to suggest that someone had taken it and just later turned it back on, not suspecting that someone would call? Well, that's what they suspected at first. But according to Singular, Brian's wireless carrier, that could have been due to a computer glitch that allowed it to ring. Ah, oh, well, that's disappointing. But we can't be sure of that either. Um, you know, on that particular day, though, Singular did get a ping from the phone in Hillard, which is about 14 miles northwest of Columbus. I, I guess nothing ever came of that, though. No, nothing came of it. And, you know, they, they say that could have been a computer glitch as well. Though I found it really strange that it got a ping from somewhere and that could be a computer glitch. Right. Well, did police at least check out the area where, where the ping came from? I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be exact, but did they at least go to the general vicinity? I'm sure they did look into it, but especially the way that, you know, Brian's cell phone didn't have GPS capabilities. And from a cell phone ping, you can really only get like a, a rough area of a quadrant it could be in. Right. Yeah. So it was really hard to search that. You know, I, I know they did some searches around there, but they didn't have a specific location and they never found anything. Another important thing to note here is that Brian's bank account and his credit cards were never used after his disappearance. And his social security number has not been used for anything since then either. Well, that seems to suggest that he's dead then, right? Yeah, I, I would agree, though. Uh, as we'll get into with the different theories of what could have happened to Brian, some people think he's still alive. But that information right there really suggests to me that he's not. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what that seems like, at least. Now, as far as evidence goes, there is one other thing of note uh, that I would mention here is that a couple years later, uh, Brian's dad, Randy, actually died in sort of a freak accident. There was a, a big windstorm, and he was out in his yard cleaning up some debris from it when a large branch fell off of a tree and onto him and killing him. Now, the strange thing about this is that when Randy's uh, obituary was posted online, someone actually commented on that claiming to be Brian and it gave a location of the U S Virgin islands, but the police were able to track that down. And it was in fact, a hoax. Why do people always feel the need to insert themselves in these cases like that? I don't know. And that that's a terrible prank as well, because you have family members, you know, that have all these hopes that Brian's alive. And when they see that, yeah, giving a family that kind of hope and just having it taken away, that, that is so cruel. And this is just after Brian's dad died. So that's just sort of a, a double punch right there. How long after Brian went missing did his dad pass away? Like, how, how long would this have been? So Brian went missing in April of 2006, and it was September of 2008 when his father died. So just two years. Okay. Now, that's about everything as far as occurrences and evidence that was found, which really there's so little evidence in this case. It's startling. Uh, but I would like to move into, you know, some of the major theories that people have about what could have happened to Brian. The first thing I'd like to mention is that Brian snuck off and committed suicide is, is a very big theory. Um, and and they, they chalk this up to Brian being in a, a bad emotional place 
because of his mother's death. Um, if you remember, his dad said that evening that, that Brian seemed a little off and tired. But, I mean, couldn't that just easily be chalked up to the fact that he was studying for medical school finals? I mean, seems like I that would be though, stressful for anyone. I, I completely agree with that. There are a couple other things. Um, a couple weeks before Brian's disappearance, he actually asked Alexis to, quote, just run away with me. So that seemed like, you know, he needed to escape. Maybe I mean, I'm not saying he was running from debtors or something, but maybe he just felt like he was in a situation that he really didn't want to be in. But couldn't that just as easily have been a just a romantic gesture, though? Uh, yes, it's very possible. But Alexis also says that a bit after that, he told her that she should just find someone new and move on from him. Um, like he was just sort of felt like bad things were happening to him and things were just hopeless for him at times. So I do think Brian was probably depressed at this time. And that would have been after his mother died, right? Yeah, yeah, it was It was after his mother died. But if he committed suicide, I mean, there's no one to dispose of the body. So doesn't it seem like someone would have found it? And and again, how would he have gotten out of the, the ugly tuna? Well, I feel like this theory sort of supposes that Brian wouldn't have wanted anyone to know uh, that he committed suicide, which I think is a very strange thing. He would have had to have tried to sneak out under the security camera uh, and go somewhere and commit suicide that he would never be found, which I find to be pretty unlikely. I mean, was there a body of water nearby? Uh, yes, there, there is a river that runs through Columbus, which, you know, is always the first thing you look to, right? Right, of course. But they did search the river and they never found his body there. I mean, suicide just seems very difficult for me in this case. Because he was out having a good time that night, right? I mean, if you're gonna, if you're going to commit suicide, it just seems like uh, you wouldn't pick a night where you're having fun. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But this also leads us to another theory that I find to be pretty unlikely, and that is that he left to begin a new life for himself. I mean, I think that's even less likely than the suicide. But go on. Right. Well, we can also talk. Um, you know, use the things he said to Alexis as evidence for this as well, that he was just trying to get away from something. Right. And, you know, also he's very distraught over his mother and all the talk about how he, he wanted to be a musician and start a band. I think he said he wanted to maybe live on a beach and play music like Jimmy Buffett, which again, doesn't, doesn't seem that serious to me. Uh, yeah. I certainly wouldn't take that seriously. I mean, that seems like him just joking around. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, you've got a few things that point to this as a possibility, but so much of it just makes no sense. You know, first, you know, Brian had a lot going on for him. We talked about him going through med school, getting ready to be a doctor. I mean, he had his serious girlfriend, Alexis. Everyone expects they're about to get married. He had a dad and a brother he was still really close to. I mean, if you're that close to becoming a doctor in this life, why would you change identity suddenly? I mean, just that, that, oh, that boggles the mind. I, I can't imagine that being the case. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And also, you know, that trip that he was about to go on with Alexis to Miami. Right. Well, that trip was actually a gift from Brian's mother before she died. Um, it was a gift for the previous Christmas. And I don't think he would have, you know, bailed out on this trip that his mother had given him, you know, because she loved him so much. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that would have been really important to him. I agree. And, and then you have the fact that his bank account, his credit cards were never touched. 
You'd think he'd need that money to start his new life, right? I mean, and wouldn't there be some evidence, maybe, of him trying to procure the necessary documents if he were going to just uh, start a new life? Maybe. I, I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about that. I mean, I, I don't either. It's just, it's just a thought. All right, so I just, I find that to be even less likely than the suicide. There are a few theories that I think are more likely, though, and and we can get into that now. One of those is that. He may have died from some sort of overdose or something like that inside the bar. Then there was a big cover-up to try to keep his death out of the media. Would this have been like a managerial cover-up or something, like from the, the, the Ugly Tuna? Possibly. Or maybe it was more, um, you know, managerial aspect of the building. Because I knew I know it was a new project, and they put a lot of money into that building. So I, you know, it would be bad if, someone found out that someone had died there so early on in the, you know, the lifespan of this gateway building. Were there any health hazards? I know you said that there was a construction site nearby. Would there have been anything that the building might have been liable for? Well, possibly. I don't know how well the construction zone was marked, but, you know, a drunk person being able to wander into a construction zone, if they got hurt or died that way, I would think the building could be liable for that. Yeah, I mean, most places do have third-party liability laws, so just him being intoxicated from there uh, you know, might have been an issue, right? Right, so that could have been a reason to cover it up, you know? But a lot of people say that they think maybe construction workers found him the next day dead and they wanted to cover it up, but I don't think the, the just the construction workers would, you know, I would think they would call the police. I don't think they would right, especially have a dog if, if a fight, bunch right? of people found it at once, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I might understand one person overreacting and doing something stupid if they found the body alone. I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but if an entire group of construction workers found the body, what reason would they have to, to cover it up, right? They can all vouch for each other. Right. I, I completely agree with that. So I, I do think if it was some sort of cover-up, it, it probably had something to do with building ownership or maybe ownership of the Ugly Tuna. But I'm not sure how likely that really is. Uh, Yeah. I mean, is there any evidence that he owed anybody money? No, no, we don't have any evidence of that at all. We also don't have any evidence that he was involved in drugs. Though, it's not a stretch to think that someone in med school that's having to stay up a lot and study all the time might not be involved in some drugs. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he might have been taking, like, say, Adderall or something, but... Who's going to kill somebody over some Adderall, right? We're we're talking about something that street value is like three to five dollars a pill, uh, right? But some people also think it could have been cocaine. Eh, we, possible, yeah. We don't have any evidence from friends or family that he was using anything like that, though. So no history of of prior drug abuse. No, no, we don't have any of that. It seems really strange that someone at what was he twenty eight, twenty seven. He's 27. Someone with no history of drug abuse would just start at 28. I mean, that doesn't tend to happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. And as I was mentioning the drugs, you know, some some people also think, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe an overdose or maybe, you know, he was he was in the middle of a drug deal and they saw he had a lot of money. So they, they tried to mug him for that and it went wrong. But, you know, several theories about that. He may have been killed. I, I don't know. But I don't think there's any very convincing evidence for it. Well, it doesn't seem to be any evidence for it, right? I mean, you said none of his DNA was found, right? No, none at all. I mean, 
you said that they had taken several shots throughout the night. So, I mean, it's safe to say he would have been pretty intoxicated by this point, right? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. And maybe it could have been alcohol poisoning or something like that? I mean, I don't know how much he had to drink. It's, it's just a thought. You know, I don't know about that for sure. It's possible. But I know that, you know, it had been a while since his last shot by the time he got to the Ugly Tuna. But I don't know how much he drank there at the end. Right. But I guess that is possible. And now, one other thing. Some of the family thinks that perhaps Clint may be involved or at least Clint is hiding something. Uh, and, and they think that because, according to Brian's family, uh, Clint was very involved after Brian disappeared. But when the police started to question Clint, he sort of cut off contact with them. He got a lawyer and he declined a polygraph. Yeah, I don't blame anyone for declining a polygraph. You should decline a polygraph. I mean, I understand, you know, why someone might think that looks suspicious. But, I mean, it could really only be because they don't know how polygraphs work. Or haven't looked at some of the research on them. Well, exactly. Plus, I, I don't know of any situation where taking a polygraph has ever helped anyone. No, of course not. Now, uh, didn't you say that um, Clint had uh, sent a text message to him at some point looking for him? Yes, at, at 210, Clint definitely sent a text to Brian uh, asking where he was. Well, doesn't that seem to validate his story that he didn't know where Brian was? I mean, I guess he, it could have been like a, a planned cover-up of some sort, but I, I don't. is there any evidence to suggest that, that it was anything other than just a what it seems to be? No, th there really isn't any evidence at all, other than the fact that people are suspicious of Clint. Uh, for one, Clint is the only person that says he saw Brian go back into the bar. Um, I, I guess everyone else just sort of lost track of him and, and didn't know where he went. What about but the Clint other girl who was out there, the one that Clint was talking to? Um, she doesn't say that she knows where Brian went. I think everyone else just sort of lost track of him. Meredith, uh, the other girl that Clint was talking to, Clint's the only one that's testified he saw Brian go back into the bar. So Clint's word is what that hinges on. Now, as far as Clint having killed Brian that night and done something to hide his body, that seems nearly impossible to me. Yeah, the timeline doesn't really seem to allow it, does it? No, and, and you have a lot of people standing around the outside of the bar, inside the bar. How would he have moved the body? How would how he have killed he him in the first place without being seen? Exactly. And you you have no evidence of any sort of struggle. There's no bloodstains anywhere. There's no kind of murder weapon ever found. I just, I don't think that Clint could have killed him. However, some people also think that Brian did run away um, to start a new life and Clint's Clint knows that, and Clint's covering up for him. I mean, is there anything to suggest that other than just, I mean, is that just conjecture? Um, pretty much. The fact that Clint didn't take a polygraph, and Clint's the last one that saw Brian go into the bar, stuff like that, that makes people think, oh, Clint's covering up for him. I can't say I agree with it's, it. <laughs> it's just not particularly convincing for me. I need more than that to accuse someone of murder. I, I agree. I agree. One other thing about Clint, and this is only in a few of the articles I've read, uh, but some people on Reddit sort of hang on this, is that Clint, um, in some of the articles, it says that Clint requested immunity before he talked to police. I mean, that's certainly suspicious, but is there 
Is there any way to corroborate that? Well, I said it was in a few news articles, some legitimate articles. But the more I think about it, if the two of them had done some drugs that night, that would make sense. I think that he requested immunity because he wouldn't want to say, yes, we did cocaine together. And then he's liable for, you know, right. But maybe he just, possession. maybe he was afraid of some sort of charge that he indirectly caused uh, Brian's death. Exactly. And also you have the, the thing to, to think about here that Clint was getting ready to start a professional life. And he, he probably didn't want anything, any past allegations haunting him with that. Yeah, that makes sense. What was he planning on doing? Or was Were they in college together at the time? Uh, yeah, they went to Ohio State together. And not long after this, Clint actually moved to Nashville. And he was working in medical research at Vanderbilt. Okay. Uh, and, and that's something else that people cite is that not long after this, Clint moves away to Nashville. And they think that's suspicious. but. You, know, you get a good job at Vanderbilt. Do you turn that down? I mean, had he graduated from college? I think he graduated later that semester. Well, wouldn't you expect him to move away then? I I would. I would expect that. Yeah, I'm not seeing why Clint is so suspicious here, to be honest. I think it's just something that people hang on to because they, there's such a lack of evidence for anything in this case. They They have to try to find something, right? Right. And I'll be honest with you, the one theory that I think is possibly, I I think maybe is even the most likely, and there's no proof for this either, is that maybe Brian did, you know, wander under the security camera and wander into that construction zone, and he may have fallen and died in there. Something happened to him. And I don't know exactly the work they were doing, but I know in some construction areas, if someone fell into a hole, and that hole got filled with cement later, they may have never realized he was there. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Do you know anything about the layout of the construction site or, or how easily accessed it would have been from the Ugly Tuna? Yes. Uh, now, I found some pictures of it, and it looks like it would have been very easily accessed from the Ugly Tuna. So I think the best way to describe the layout here is if you're standing at the top of the escalator, like you're just stepping off the escalator. Like you've just ridden it up. Yeah, the the entrance to the Ugly Tuna is going to be on your right. And directly in front of you is sort of a short hallway. And that's where the entrance to the construction zone is. So just above that hallway, um, that's where the security camera is. And the security camera gets most of the, the floor there where if you were standing in front of the bar, you can see people there. And you can see the escalator very well. But you can't see the door to the Ugly Tuna. There's a little bit of a dead zone there. And obviously, there's a bit of a dead zone just under um, under that camera. So I guess that Brian could have, you know, slipped from the entrance of the Ugly Tuna under the camera and gone into that hallway pretty easily. From the picture you showed me, it seems like that'd be pretty difficult. It'd be hard to do by chance. Where the camera is, to be able to get down the hallway to where the construction site is, that seems like it'd be very difficult. I agree. And I don't know if he knew where the camera was. He was so drunk at this point. Why would he even be thinking about the camera? Right. right? Exactly. So I don't know. I don't know if he, he wandered, wandered over there. I don't know if he maybe followed the band to the freight elevator and was so drunk he fell down that shaft, maybe. 
I guess it's possible. Is there is there any evidence to suggest that? No, there's. Did no he have any interaction with the band at all? Um, you know, I've read a few articles, and they say that Clint said at some point Brian said he was going to go talk to the band, but that's out of like three articles, and the twenty something other ones don't mention that at all. So I don't know how valid that is. Oh, okay. But Brian loved music, so there's a chance he he did go talk to the band, but that may have happened earlier in the night before you know he was standing outside talking to the two girls. Do we know whether the the door that leads to the construction site was even unlocked? Uh, you know, I do not know. I don't know if there was even a door there at the time. Uh, the picture I saw, there's sort of a, a sliding glass door there, but I know that's later on after this happened, so... There's probably you know been more work since then, so that there might not have been any any barrier there at all at the time then. No, there there may not have been, and I can't find that information anywhere. If there was tape up or anything like that, that sounds like an accident waiting to happen. A it's, wide open construction site right next to a bunch of drunk people. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's not just there's not just drunk people inside the bar. There are drunk people standing on the floor out there in front of the bar next to the construction zone. Yeah, that, that that sounds kind of dangerous. So I think it's very possible that Brian could have maybe slipped under the security camera and hurt himself or died somewhere in that construction zone. But again, I, I just don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's much of any evidence to suggest one way or the other. So No. I mean, do you think it's more likely that that something happened to him and people decided they had to cover it up or that he just died in some crazy accident and was never found? I mean, I think an accident, from the evidence I've seen, is certainly more likely, particularly considering the proximity to a construction site, right, and how much alcohol he had. Right, and there were no security cameras inside the construction site at all. Okay, and without any signs of a physical altercation, I mean, if he'd been murdered inside of the Ugly Tuna, say, like, well, let me ask you this, is there a back room of any sort in the Ugly Tuna, like where maybe the manager's office would be or something? Uh, yeah, I think there are some back rooms, but there's no back exit, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, they, they all have to use that main exit to leave. It just it seems impossible to me that someone could have done something to him inside of the Ugly Tuna and left zero physical evidence. I mean, I assume right. that the police, uh, that the forensics crew, like, examined the place really well. I mean, they examined the place? I don't know how well they examined it. They use search dogs. Uh, they use cadaver dogs. Well, that sounds pretty so extensive. They didn't find anything like that. I don't know that they went over the place with a microscope, but you have to, I mean, you have to think this is a, a bar where lots of people gather every night. So yeah. do you know, as far as like any kind of DNA, like, I don't know what you could find. There has to be so much as far as fingerprints everywhere and people's DNA where they've coughed and stuff like that. I don't know what you could find in there. Well, do you know where police have searched for him? Yeah, there was, um, the police searched in all through the building. They searched the surrounding area. And I know Brian's dad, Randy, actually uh, paid for a private search in a certain river because a psychic told him that she thought Brian's body was there. Not exactly what I'd consider a reliable source, but I mean, I, I can certainly understand why a family member would, would do it, right? Right. I mean, they were reaching for anything at that point. Well, yeah. You know, I feel terrible for that dad because you know, he had just lost his wife. 
Yeah, yeah. And then to lose your son that way. I mean, then he had that tragic accident and passed away himself. Yeah. Now, you know, I read an interview with a, a, an investigator on the case, and this was a few years later, and he said the police still have no idea what happened. They think that it's just as likely that he could still be alive or that he's died because they can find absolutely no evidence to point one way or the other. I guess it makes sense. I mean, I can't personally imagine a scenario where he's still alive. I mean, he had so much going on in his life. It's hard. It's just, it's really hard for me to imagine someone who's about to graduate med school just vanishing and starting a new life. It seemed like he already had a pretty good one. Uh, You know, I had a steady girlfriend, was about to graduate college with a, with a degree in medicine. I mean, why would you, why would you give that up? Ask for, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it seems like he was going to have a good life. Now, um, one other thing I should note is that Clint's lawyer did say at one point that police investigators had insinuated to him they thought Brian was still alive. Now, you, you have to understand that's a lawyer saying that. So right, that's a defense trying lawyer to, trying to take... I mean, that could easily be him just trying to take the heat off of his client. Exactly. So we can't put faith in that, but... We can't discount the fact that he's still alive, even though I don't think it's likely. Yeah, I mean, I I can't conclusively say it, of course. Um, But from the evidence I've seen, I just can't imagine that that he would have just willingly given up his life to start a new one. No, and don't you think he would have, you know, maybe come back after his father died? Or contacted someone at some point? I mean, he he seemed to have a pretty good relationship with his father if they were celebrating together that that night or earlier that day. I mean, would he really leave his dad to suffer like that, especially since he knew that he'd already just lost his wife recently? Seems like it'd take a pretty callous person to do that. I I, I agree. He was also close to his brother, and he has never tried to contact his brother either. So, no, I I don't think... He doesn't seem like, from what I know about him, the type of person that would put his family through that. Especially, you know, once you hear about the the huge case this has become in the media and all these people are so worried about you, you definitely think you'd come back at that point. I mean, and even if it hadn't become a big case, you'd still know that your girlfriend, near fiance, and your father were, were worried sick about you. And he still had family members who loved him. Right. And, you know, to think that you know, none of his credit cards have had any activity. Yeah. None of his bank accounts. He would need the money, right? And if he were going to just skip town, doesn't it make sense that he would have gone and you know maybe uh, taken out all of his money from his bank first? I would think so. Even if he wasn't going to use his card because, you know, that could leave a trail, it seems like he'd have still at least taken the cash out. Right. That wouldn't cash leave no trail. So why would he do that? Yeah. Why not take it? Right. I, I, I think it's, unlikely that he's still alive but as i said there's no evidence to point either way so it's not something i can say for sure i just don't see it yeah it seems really unlikely so do you have any idea what investigators think is the most likely scenario the only um evidence we have to point toward that one way or the other is that one interview with the police detective who said that in their eyes it's just as likely that he's still alive as that he may have died some way which is basically them saying they have no clue. Yeah, pretty much them saying they have no clue. The only other thing is the one statement that Clint's lawyer made, but I don't think we can put much stock in that. Yeah, I don't either. 
Brian's father died in 2008. His girlfriend Alexis eventually moved on with her life and was married in 2009. She still wonders what happened to Brian, but she said she had to stop letting that drive her life. And who can blame her? This leaves only Brian's brother Derek to search for him. Derek still holds out hope, and even if Brian can't come back to him alive, I do hope that Derek one day finds the answer. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Fact and Suspicion podcast. If you have any comments for us, or if there's a case you would like to hear us cover, please reach out to us on Twitter at andsuspicion or through email at factandsuspicion at gmail.com.